Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 915 and 11 a.m at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message as usual will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. Before we get into today's reading, I want to do a quick recap of what we've covered so far uh, this last couple of weeks. We've been in this journey for a few weeks now. Well, last week we began to focus on the weapons that Jesus made available to us to fight this fight and win. Amen? And so last week we talked about, can you guys go ahead and put up that image of the soldier that Paul was trying to give us a picture of this war and he was surrounded by a Roman soldier and he said, listen, Every piece of equipment that you see in a Roman soldier is also an, uh, uh, a weapon that God has given you to fight this good fight so that you can overcome and not be defeated. Can you say amen? amen? So last week we talked about the belt of truth, right? Got to have a belt. Belt keeps everything together. And then during the week, I hope you were able to watch the video teachings. If you didn't, it's on our YouTube channel. Uh, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And we also released another video about the sword of the spirit. So, so far we've covered three out of the seven weapons that we have available. And today, if you're taking notes, we're gonna focus on the helmet of salvation, okay? We're gonna focus on the helmet today. Um, and then Pastor Steve gave us a great message on the shield of faith. Remember a couple of weeks ago, he talked about having a solid, strong faith. Um, and then that leaves Prayer, which we're going to release a video this Tuesday on prayer, so be, be looking out for that one. And then we have the gospel of peace, which is your shoes. And I, I actually want to save that for the Sunday before election. <laughs> Strategically, we're going to talk about the gospel of peace before we go to war on this election. And by the way, speaking of elections, we've been praying for our nation every Wednesday night. I hope you can come this Wednesday. We continue to believe that God's not done with this nation yet. He's got a, he's got a, he's got a plan for this place. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to read today from the Amplified Version of the Bible. I like to switch up translations so it doesn't become too familiar but also to give you a little bit more insight. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6 and 8 says this. It says, so, so, then let us not sleep 
Sleep meaning don't be indifferent. Don't be spiritually indifferent as the rest of the world does. But let us keep wide awake. Tell your neighbor, be awake. Which means be alert and cautious. And let us be sober. In other words, be sober-minded. Okay, tell your neighbor, be sober. I hope you're not, not sober at 9 o'clock in the morning. Say, we need to come to this altar right now. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, man. Um, be, be sober-minded, which means self-control, calm and wise. Can I just say how much we need these three things right now? Self-control, calm and wise. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night, hopefully, not at o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but since we believers belong to the day, let us be sober. Again, it's talking about your mind. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love, which was breastplate of righteousness. We talked about that during the week. And as a helmet, the hope and confident assurance of salvation. As a helmet, the hope in confident assurance of salvation. So today we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation if you're taking notes. And obviously a helmet is extremely important for a soldier who's going to war, especially back in those days where they would be in hand-to-hand combat and you're more likely to get hit somewhere in your body. And if you don't have one of those things on, it might be fatal. You got to wear your helmet. Right? It's something that we tell our kids, right? Wear your helmet. And then my kids ask me today, where's your helmet, Dad? It's in the spirit. You can't see it. <laughs> but we know this, that life happens in the mind. Your mind is the headquarters of your life. And I want to say this to us today, that we go where our mind takes us. For good or bad, you are where you are right now in life based on your thinking. That could be good, that could be bad. It all depends. And so here the Bible equates your mind with salvation. The way you're thinking, the way you're, you're, you're perceiving things, the way you're going about life. And that the enemy wants to attack your mind In other words, he wants to attack your salvation. He wants to attack your understanding of your standing with God. Are you tracking with me? And so I think it's important before we get into the warfare of the mind, I think it's important to define what is salvation. Because I don't think we should take that for granted. A lot of times it's the things that seem to be so obvious in church that we don't really talk about. and It becomes one of those things we we just say it's cliches, but what is it? What is salvation? I'm, I'm interested in, in, in starting there first because if you don't understand what salvation is, then we already lost the battle. Are you tracking with me? Because I don't think it's something that everybody just, and I don't mean just, you know, head knowledge of salvation. What is actual salvation? Right? And so I want to begin today by telling you what salvation is not. Okay? Salvation is not a feeling. A lot of people think that God is a feeling. The problem is, if God's a feeling, then we're all schizophrenics. Because some days you don't feel anything. And some days you feel too much. So feelings cannot be reliable. 
Like today in worship, maybe you felt goosebumps, maybe you didn't, but guess what? Neither one is God, and neither one is your salvation. And that is important, my friends, because we're living in a very feeling-driven society. The reason why we're in such a mess right now is because we think with our feelings more than we actually think through rationale and wisdom and principles. So salvation is not how you feel. Because there are days you don't feel saved. It would be real. Oh, we don't have any real people in this house. Pastor, I always feel saved. I am. <laughs> I'm talking to you then. I'm talking to the rest of us humans. I, 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 there's a man who I know who is one of my heroes. He's been, he, he was married for over 60 years. Missionary, and he told me, he said, Hey, some days I don't feel married, but I know I'm married. This thing reminds me that I'm married. So I asked him, I said, What's the, what's the secret to being married for 60 years? Hey, you don't feel married, you are married. That's a good word. So, my friends, I pray you understand this God is not a feeling, God is the unconditional reality in life. Whether you feel him or not, God is always constant. So salvation is not a feeling. Second thing is important is salvation is not earned. This is so important to understand, right? You don't earn salvation because you will never be good enough to earn salvation. I don't care how good of a person you are, when it comes to salvation, you're not good enough. When it comes to salvation, you can spend all day in this room trying to jump and touch the ceiling. I don't care how many years you try. I don't care if you're LeBron James or Michael Jordan. You ain't touching that ceiling on your own. So you're not tall enough. But you can't jump high enough to reach what God is. Can you say amen? So you don't earn salvation. I hope you understand this. Listen, salvation is not God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> I'm still trying to find that in the Bible. I read it a few times, still not there. But it's one of the most quoted scriptures that's not in the Bible. You know, God helps those who help themselves. Uh, not when it comes to salvation, you couldn't help yourself. God had to help you. Salvation is 99.9999999% God's will. And you just get to say yes. That's your 1.0000011111%. <laughs> that's the role you play in salvation. And if that doesn't humble you, then I don't know what will. Right, there's like no reason for spiritual pride in this thing because none of us can earn it. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. And then salvation is not a prayer. Living on a prayer, take my hand. <laughs> you know, great song, but it's not salvation. Okay, salvation may start with a prayer because you're, you're asking God to save you, but that prayer is not what saves you. God saves you. And so I think it's important to understand just because you said a prayer does not mean you're saved. You're saved because you prayed. <laughs> Did that mess you up a little bit? <laughs> it's not the prayer that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you. So I pray we understand this because if you're going to fight this fight, you have to understand what is not because he will attack you on these things. He will make you want to feel it makes you want to earn it. And it makes you want to think, oh, you prayed. It's deeper than that. Are you, are you with me so far? Look, there's so many ways to understand salvation. But I want to give you one scripture to help clarify this a little bit this morning. In Corinthians chapter 1, it says this. God 
has united you with Christ Jesus. God has united you with Christ. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. Christ made us right with God. Okay. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. So it's all about Jesus, not about what you can bring to the table. You know, the way I look at it is this way. It's like, it's like when your kids try to help you around the house. Are they really helping? <laughs> you ever get your kids to load your dishwasher, and you're like, I should have done this myself. <laughs> That's how we are with God. We think we're helping. We, we just get away. God's like, man, I got to come back now and fix this thing, knucklehead. Just trying to entertain you that you can do something about this. And that should humble us. I don't know how people have spiritual pride when you understand, like, you're just a little kid who drew this really terrible drawing, but your dad's going, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, you, no parents in this house? You don't lie to your kids? Oh, my God, that's incredible. I think that's how God looks, feels about us, but we're like, look at my good works. God's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> So it's about Jesus, it's not about us and what we can bring to the table. So salvation is, let's, let's summarize this, salvation is embracing what Jesus has done for me. His death, his life, his resurrection is the gift of salvation. Like he gifted me salvation. I don't earn it, I don't deserve it. It's a gift that he brought to us. And because of that reality, it's committing fully to Jesus. I'm not committing to a religion. I'm not committing to good works. I'm not committing to becoming a good person. I'm committed to Jesus. Because I'm committed to Jesus, I will do good works. I will be a good person. I will serve. I will bless. So you can't put the cart before the horse. Are you tracking with me? In a sense, the way I look at salvation is this way. Salvation for me is I am saved. I am being saved. And I will be saved. Because let's be real, we are on a journey here. So six months from now, I will be saved. And I will continue to be in this process of salvation as long as I'm on this earth. Can you say amen? Right? So it's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing process of becoming the person that Jesus died and rose again for me to be. Can you say amen? And I want to say this to us, and I want to remind us that eternal life is, is one of those things that our American society has jacked up. Eternal life is not going to heaven someday. Eternal life is the moment you said yes to Jesus, you have eternal life. In other words, you have meaning, you have purpose, you have destiny, you have an identity. That's what eternal life actually means. It's not being a good person. Hopefully, I'll go to heaven. Eternal life, you know, is accept the person who already is heaven. <laughs> That's so good. Jesus is already heaven. And so when I accept Jesus, I'm accepting the reality of my identity, my purpose, my fulfillment, my contentment. It's all wrapped up in this thing called salvation. Can you say amen? amen. So of course the enemy wants to fight you on this. Of course he wants to come against your fulfillment and your purpose and your stance with God. And the way he does it, my friends, is this way. Again, I'm going to keep going here quickly, but the warfare of salvation looks a little bit like this. The enemy comes to bring doubt to your mind. 
He comes to make you compare yourself. He comes to make you compromise. And he comes to discourage. It's in a sense, it's almost like a domino effect. If he can make you doubt, he'll make you compare. If he can make you compare, he'll make you compromise. If he can give you compromise, he'll, he'll discourage you from your journey with Jesus. My friends, beware of these things in your life. Doubt, to me, is the enemy's way of trying to steal your, the confidence of your salvation. He doesn't want you to be confident in who you are and who God says you are. So, of course, he wants you to feel. Because when you're feeling, you're not confident. Think about it. Feelings will put you all over the map. One day you're up, the next day you're down. You're in, you're out, you're the song. No Kerry Perry fans in this house. Stress to steal your confidence. He wants you to doubt. But listen, I pray you understand this. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. It's not. Everybody doubts. That's part of life. Doubt is part of faith. It's not the opposite of faith. When you doubt, it doesn't mean you don't have faith. Are you tracking with me? When you doubt, it means that you're putting faith in other things other than Jesus. Doubt is when your foundation is in the wrong place. You're not on solid ground. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't, make, it doesn't say that you're not, you're not faith. It's just that all of a sudden you're shifting to the wrong foundation. Are you tracking with me? So beware of doubt when he comes to try to steal your confidence. Second thing is comparison. I say this often, but comparison to me is the thief of, of joy. Like you could be having a good day. You go on Instagram, you see someone else's life, and you're like, my life sucks. <laughs> Thought I was having a good day, but look at that house. And you go, honey. Your honey's like, I was having a good time. I was watching my game. Now you're going to ruin it. But I think comparison is to distract you from your own journey. Comparison is to make you want to live someone else's life. Comparison is also to try to make you feel like God has not been good enough to you. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. God does not show favorites, he says. He blesses everyone who comes to him. Now we're all on a different journey. And the problem is sometimes he's smart. He knows, hey... Even though right now your life journey in your, in your book, in your own personal book, you're on chapter 16 and someone is on chapter 32, he wants to say to you, how come you're not on chapter 32? Yeah. And what you need to say is, it's because I'm on chapter 16. This is my life. This is my journey. I'm right here right now. Thank God for your chapter, but I'm thankful for where I am too. I'm thankful for what God is doing in my own life. I, I really believe that if you want to follow Jesus in his will, you've got to put blinders on. And not worried about what others are doing. Jesus actually gave us that idea when he was dealing with his own disciples in the beginning. When he was talking to Peter, he was telling Peter, this is your destiny. This is what you're going to do for me. And then Peter, instead of saying, yes, Lord, th thank you, Jesus. Thank you for, for your calling. He goes, what about him? <laughs> he was talking about John. And you know what Jesus said? Go read it. John 20, chapter 21. Jesus said, mind your business. What I'm going to do with him, that's my business. But I, here's what I ask you to do. And the enemy would love for you to be worried about what John is doing, what Esther's doing, what Becky's doing, what Karen is not doing. 
So distraction from your progress is the enemy. Again, remember, he never comes and says, I'm, I'm the enemy and he'll ruin your life. He'll come through ways of doubt and comparison and, and then he leads to compromise. Compromise is the enemy's way of trying to make you become less than what God intended for you. Compromise is the shortcut to the real thing. Oh, this is a good word. I hope you catch this. Compromise is the shortcut to the real thing. Remember the temptation of Jesus. He wanted Jesus to take a shortcut so Jesus would not fulfill the destiny that God had for him. He wanted to be like, no, you can do it my way. I did it my way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you want to do it your way. But compromise, my friends, is to become less than your full potential. And so, and so he says, hey, I know you're on the path of holiness and righteousness, but... You can take a detour, though, and get there quicker. We all have been there, right? Right? Do I have to spell it out for us? You know, you, you, you want to make money, but there's shortcuts to making short money. Right? You, wanna, you want a relationship, but then there's shortcuts to the real relationship that you're supposed to have. Right? There's so many ways that he tries to come and come. Like, you, of course he studies you, and of course you have to be aware of where you are most likely to compromise. Because some people will compromise in some areas that you're like, how did you do that? Well, they can say the same thing about you. Why would you compromise in that? So quiet, we don't compromise in this room. And then I think his ultimate is to get you here to discouragement. He wants to get you to a place where you stop trying. Let me, let me tell you what I see the enemy doing. The enemy wants to get you to a place where you settle. And you blend in. And you become like everybody else. He doesn't, he doesn't do that by saying, hey, I'm here to make you settle. He, he knows how to trickle down. To beat you down to the place that you're like, I don't even want to try anymore. You might be in church, but you're defeated. You're deflated. You're like... Tom Brady's footballs. We can say that now. He doesn't play for us. He's a... He moved on. We're good. We got Cam. We're good. We, see, we don't even believe us. We're good. But we're not... But we're not good. We got the Denver Broncos. That's a... Okay, yeah, I'm just... But listen, I think the enemy's greatest tool is to make you settle. Well, you have all this potential in Jesus, but you don't reach it because you've believed that you are done. You've believed the lie and you've settled. And he's so good at putting people around you who have bought into all of this that they actually feed into your discouragement. Like... I think it's amazing to me how much our environment plays a role in how much we settle. Like some of you, the truth is, you're here, you're excited, you're going to get blessed by this word, but you go back to an environment where everybody has settled around you. And what do they do? They bring you down to that level. You can even get to get excited about what God wants to do in your life because the moment you open your mouth, they shut it down. Not realizing that, remember, the enemy uses familiar voices to get you to settle for what God wants to do in your life. 
And I, I told you this, the goal for me of this series was to anticipate when the enemies are working your life. So here's how I think you should be able to anticipate this, is that, man, if I am so blessed by God's word, and you're trying to shut it down, I need to read through that and say, why is it that this person or this group of people always feel the need to shut down the very thing that's actually building me up? You got to ask that question. You can't just take it blindly and just think people are just being people. It's like, yeah, people are being people, but we're all motivated by something or someone. I'm going to leave it alone because if you can see, you guys get a little uncomfortable. You got friends like that. But I think at some point you have to take an inventory of your surroundings and say, man, is this surroundings empowering me or enabling me, which is worst? I don't know about you guys. I'm 42 years old. I don't need anybody to empower me in my dysfunction. If I'm doing something wrong and, I, and, I'm, not, and I'm settling, I don't need you to remind me that I'm settling. <laughs> wow, it's a quiet Baptist church today. So the helmet is to protect me against these things. That's the helmet of salvation. If I know I'm saved, then my job, get this. I pray you catch this. It's very important. God is giving you a gift, but it's your job to protect that gift. In other words, God's like, hey, here's your tools. It's up to you to put them on. God's not going to come to your house and put your helmet on for you. God, is this your will? He's like, I already gave it to you. Some things you don't pray about, some things you just do. So, my friends, understand this. Your helmet of salvation is to protect your thoughts against these lies. The enemy wants to rob you of your potential, of your joy, of your optimism, of your value, of your worth. And if you're not paying attention, he's doing it through these things. That's what he does it. He nibs at you. He nags at you. He pulls at you. Slowly but surely, six weeks from now. Listen, my concern as a pastor is, man, the enemy has done this through COVID. People don't even realize it. They've settled in fear. They're more afraid of a virus than they're afraid of reaching their potential. Got people who will go to Home Depot and Walmart but won't come to church. I think you're most likely to get it at Walmart and Home Depot than at church. But somehow, he's so clever, he says, don't go to church, that's when you're gonna get it. But at Home Depot, everybody touches everything. (laughs) I asked the guy the other day, have you done groceries during COVID? If you have, what the heck? Why won't you come to church? We're not touching anything. We're facing forward. <laughs> but seriously, I, I, I really think that's how he works. It's so clever. And like the stuff that he talks about, it's like, are we not picking up the stuff? He won't tell you, quit that friendship, but he tells you, quit church. Quit that shady relationship. No, quit church. I'm amazed lately how many people are like, I I just need to take a break. Break from what? 
Why don't you take a break from binge watching Netflix? Take a break from being negative. Take a break from being lazy. Take a break from settling. Uh, I tell you, he beats you upside the head. That's why you need a helmet. He beats you with guilt and shame and condemnation and lies and defeat. And you're over here going, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> He likes that. That's why the Bible says you got to be sober-minded. You got to think clearly about what's happening. To be sober-minded is to be self-controlled, calm, and wise. My friends, we need this so bad right now. I'm seeing people losing their minds over politics. Like, haven't we been here? Like four years ago, and eight years ago, and 12 years ago, and 16 years ago, and 20 years ago. Here's our favorite word every election season. This is the most unprecedented times we've ever lived in. But I heard that four years ago, eight years ago. I heard that when Bush was a president. I heard that when Obama was a president. I heard that when Trump was a president. Unprecedented times. So be very afraid. <laughs> you know? It's like, my goodness, we need self control, calm and wise minds to prevail because the enemy is beating us upside the head with so much fear, so much worry, so much lies. And we don't realize it that we're fighting all the wrong battles. Like we're fighting each other instead of fighting for each other. Because he's so clever. No, you are right. <laughs> so funny to me. We're, we all think we're right. That's the problem. I think we can all be wrong, but we can't all be right. You, you, you can't stop. Like it's impossible for all of us to be right. Someone has to be wrong. But that takes self-control and calm and wisdom for us to get there. See, I believe this. Your mind is the most sacred space that you have. When I first got saved, I was 20 years old. And the youth leader used to say this all the time to us. He would say, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. I don't think there's ever a week he didn't say that. I think that's the only message he had. And it worked, because I still remember it. Garbage in, garbage out. And what he was saying is, your mind is the headquarters of your life. So what are you feeding it? Right? Because you, you put garbage in, you get garbage out. Right? And he used to say that all the time. And I believe this. I think it's one of those things where right now we, we need to pay attention to the fact that your brain and your mind, they work together. Your brain is, is, the, hard, is the hard drive. Your mind is a software, okay? The hard drive doesn't have a say without a software. The hard drive is just a hard drive. The software determines what the hard drive will do. So if that's true, then 
Why am I not taking control of what I'm feeding my mind? Because your brain is like a muscle that needs to be stimulated and exercised. Just like every other muscle in your body. You ever work out and you go, I didn't even know I had a muscle there? Like I just played soccer the other day. Some of the guys from church, we all texted each other the next day going, I don't think I, I can move. <laughs> it's been too long. Right? And I think your mind needs to be exercised. In order to have self-control and be calm and wise, it can't just be a let it just run wild. Because your mind cannot tell you, your brain cannot tell you what's good or bad. Your mind does. That's why science cannot tell you the meaning of life. Science can only tell you what the brain is made for. But you cannot put this stuff in a lab. Science will never be able to tell you what a mind is. You can't scientifically prove a mind or thoughts or feelings or emotions. That's why you need to stimulate your mind. And how do you do that? I just, I'm not even saying anything new here today. I just hope that I'm bringing us back to reality. But we need to feed our minds. Like, I, go, go ahead, go to my next. I think mental health is so critical to your well-being. And if COVID has done anything, is it's jacked us up mentally. Depression is up. Suicide is up. Drinking is up. Domestic abuse is up. All because we bought into, I got to be home. So now that I'm home, I don't know what to do with this thing. So it's so critical that I am stimulating my mind. I'm exercising it with, here's some things, healthy conversations. Do you know how many conversations are so toxic to your well-being? Like some of you, you'll be so much better if you just stop talking with some people. The Bible even says, you sound really wise when your mouth is shut. You ever, you ever like see some people, you're like, oh, that person looks interesting. And they open their mouth, you're like, oh, my bad. But I'm telling you, we would be so much better stimulated if we're having healthy conversations. I think this, I really believe you should pick and choose your conversations. Like, why, why answer everybody? Like, I have a, a simple rule with my social media account. The moment you troll, you're done. I'm blocked you. Don't have time. I have too much stuff to do. Too much people to want to reach to go mingle with the troll. But some people have to prove, prove trolls wrong. And by proving them wrong, you're proving them right. <laughs> that you're a troll yourself. <laughs> I'm not sure you guys are following me today. <laughs> but healthy entertainment. Don't you know Jesus said your eyes are the windows to your soul? What you feed your mind every day is actually affecting the way you're thinking and the way you're dealing with people and the way you're, you're handling your kids and you're, you're, you're talking about your marriage. Like, and healthy entertainment is powerful. And I'm not one of those that, like, my mama said, my mama said, I saw the devil. I'm saying discern. <laughs> like, here's a quick litmus test of an entertainment. When you're done watching or listening to that thing, how do you feel? I was talking to a guy the other day. He's like, man, I like to go hang out at this bar, you know, have a couple of drinks, you know. And I said, how do you feel afterwards? He goes, like, crap. I said, well, then, 
this conversation's over. Right? If you felt like, man, enlightened, you walked away feeling more like Jesus, you walked away like, man, my life really has, has, you know, this place really blesses me, then it's like, I can't argue with that. So I don't have time to argue about is drinking a sin or a sin. I'm arguing with how does it make you feel? Amazing bastard. <laughs> well then, uh, never mind. Listen, healthy relationships. I think life comes down to relationships, doesn't it? Yes. Right? That's why we push people to go to cruise. Like, go develop some relationships. Go meet some people who are thinking on a different level. Sometimes you've exhausted your surroundings. Like, you ever think this way? Like, you ever been in your surrounding? You're like, man, we don't talk about anything enlightening. Or you ever talk to the people that always want to bring you back to high school? And you're like, that was 20 years ago. Why do we always talk about high school, Uncle Rico? Uh, we need healthy reading. I, I, it's one of my favorite things. I'm a nerd. My wife says I'm a nerd. I spend a lot of time in my basement by myself reading. I'm a loser. And I love it. I do. I want my mind to be stimulated. I want to think. I want to get better. I want to think about ideas. I want to think about thoughts. I want to see the world through other people's eyes. And reading does that for me. I kind of struggled to put this one in there, but I said I should. Healthy eating. Because first of all, it convicts me. But I really believe, I was telling someone this week, I'm like, listen, I think this. I think, I think sometimes we think I'm not doing well spiritually. I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading enough. I said, have you ever thought about the fact that your body just needs to be healthy? And that affects the way you pray. It affects the way you think. It affects the way you, like when I play soccer, I feel like so much more holy. <laughs> Three days later, after I recovered. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we have to understand this. I, I think in the church, we've separated the, the, the I, like I always say, I don't believe in compartments. I don't believe something, some things are spiritual. I, like we were talking about it after we played soccer. We're like, that's a sanctuary. We feel like, man, we can escape here and we can just let things go here. Like it's a way to decompress. So I think exercising and eating healthy should be part of our regime, our, our regime, our routine. Regime. And, and, and here's, I firmly believe this. If you want to be healthy mentally, you got to unplug. I've been on a six weeks off social media. And my goodness, I don't miss anything. And I do it from time to time, every time I feel like it. And by the way, here's, here's the mistake we make. The moment I say that, you say, I don't have a problem with social media. That's the problem. That's the problem. We always wait until we have a problem. I don't want to wait until I have a problem. I want to anticipate a problem. Hey, have you noticed, every time someone tries to like encourage us to do something, we automatically get defensive. I don't have a problem with that. Like you just showed that you have a problem. You know, like, but why not unplug? Guess what? It's not real life. It's just not. It's someone's version of their life. It's what they want you to see so you can compare because that person is struggling with comparison. 
So that's why, if you notice, everybody's post, it takes them all 45 minutes to post it. Because it's got to be the right angle. It's got to be the right filter. It's got to be like, what's behind me? <laughs> oh, wait, I left the toilet seat up. Let's take that one again. <laughs> oh, wait, my bed looks really messy. <laughs> oh, the shower curtain is... Yes. I tell you, you unplug, you realize, oh my gosh, I'm thinking so much clearer, so much better. I'm so much healthier, not worried about. And guess what? I'll be back to it soon. I guarantee you, I'm going to go and be like, oh, I didn't miss anything. Y'all still posting about cats? Someone's still mad at Trump? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't miss anything. Oh, the world didn't end? We're still here. Jesus is still good. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't miss anything. So learn to unplug. Friends, I, I, I pray we, we, we become people who are wise and calm and self-controlled. That only comes through the Holy Spirit. Let me wrap this up. Proverbs chapter 2, 6 says, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The Lord grants wisdom. You know, during this crazy times we're living in, tensions are so high. I think we need more wise Christians. We don't need more emotional Christians. We need wise people. People who can actually wrestle through big topics. I love talking about big topics, but the problem is people don't want to talk, people want to fight. I would have no problem sitting down with someone who has opposite views of what I have and we can have a conversation. Because I can learn something from you. But the problem is we don't talk. We shout. We scream. We yell. Right? And, and, then, and then we're right. And then we have a heart attack. Because we're not eating well. And now we're annoyed. But listen. I think it's important to know what you believe and why you believe it and to articulate it well. Because I find most times that people don't know what they believe, they just know what they feel. But because you feel a certain way doesn't make it true. Doesn't make it right. And I'm seeing that. Like people won't be able to articulate their position, but they feel strongly about it. Like I've been saying, facts don't care about your feelings. And that's why we have such a generation of people who are easily offended and soft. Because it's all about feelings. So I feel, but yeah, but what are the facts? What are the facts? Can you articulate why you stand on that position, whatever your position is? Can you give me three points of why that's important to you? Outside of how you feel. Because how you feel is not enough. It has to be supported by evidence of how you feel. So we need people who can articulate their thoughts in a calm and collected way. That you are able to know, like, this is who I am. I'm confident in who I am. I'm confident in what I believe. 
Therefore, I can articulate it without having to make you eat it. Because right? here's, here's my conclusion and my, my heart behind this whole talk is this. It's, it's you are undefeated if, there's an if, right? Because the Bible says if, then. I believe you're undefeated if you are confident in your salvation. You are undefeated if you are self-controlled by the Spirit of God. You are undefeated if you are calm, not overly emotional. And you are undefeated if you are filled with wisdom, not shallowness. I believe that should be our goal. God, make me confident in who I am in you. Fill me with self-control that I may be able to be calm, not overly emotional, and I'm filled with wisdom. I can articulate what I believe and why I believe it. That will win the day, I believe, in our day and age. That will win the day in our marriage, in our parenting, in our workplace, talking politics. I think that could win the day if we can say, I know who I am, confident who God says I am. I'm filled with the Spirit. I have self-control. I'm calm because emotions are not principles. And I'm filled with wisdom. Because why? I've been taking time to know his will. Can't have wisdom without applying yourself to wisdom. Wanting to get smart. I spent a lot of time in my basement because I want to know my positions, my stance. So when someone talks about it, I want to be able to add something to the table. I don't want people to just tell me who to vote for, I want to do my homework. And I don't want to go by your feelings. I want to go by facts. I don't want anyone to talk me out of church. I want me to make a decision of following Jesus for myself. Not because you told me. And I don't want to go by even what society is telling me about what it means to be alive and well. Because society doesn't know. <laughs> Can read right through those lies. We're as much as confused as everybody else. So I need my helmet. I need my mind to be clear, to be focused, to be sharp. So I don't come to church just to check a religious box. I come to stimulate the mind. Because Jesus said to love God is to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You can't check your mind out. So for some people, that's what religion is. It's like check your mind out the door. No, no, no. Bring your mind to the table. Because your mind needs to be exercised. Your mind needs to be stimulated. You need to think through. That's why I think, I think that God didn't make the Bible easy on purpose. You know, many times people came to Jesus like, explain to us that parable. And he says, I really want you to wrestle with it. If you don't wrestle with it, you don't know why you believe it. Some people are like, it's too complicated. Yeah, exactly. Because you need wisdom to interpret it. It's not just going to fall in your lap. The world loves to give you easy equations will lead to nowhere. God's like, no, I want you to wrestle with stuff so you can be grounded. You can be strong. You can have roots. So when all of the stuff is happening around you, you can stay rooted and not be 
persuaded by every wind of imagination. One day COVID is this, one day is this, one day is this candidate, one day is that, and it's like we're all over the place. Remember when they were like, don't wear a mask, and then they were like, wear a mask. And now it's like our blankie. Can't go anywhere without it. My blankie. It's my blankie. Like I was just coming here, I told, I told one of the guys, oh, I forgot my blankie. Let me go get my blankie. <laughs> and where's my binky? <laughs> With my blankie. Let's pray. I'm, I'm just going to mess this up. Uh, just stand with me. Let's pray together. But you need your helmet. You need your confidence. I pray this morning for you that God will restore your confidence in him so you're not pushed around by your feelings. By the way, just because someone is louder than you, that doesn't make them right. Being louder usually is a huge sign of insecurity because you don't have to be loud to articulate your position. You just have to be confident. Right? Writing something all in caps doesn't make it right. It just makes you a lunatic. I can see it's a sore subject this morning. Let's pray. Would you join me in prayer? Would you lift your hand and say, Lord, come and fill me with wisdom. Fill me with self-control. I want to be calm and collected. I want to be filled with who you are, Lord. That I may live in the fullness of your will. And Lord, I pray, fill us with confidence in you and what you've done for us. And if you're here today, you never trusted in Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to give you salvation. Today is your moment. This is your moment to say this prayer with me. If you're here or online, you're like, I've never trusted Jesus. I don't have that confidence. I've been overly emotional. I am fearful. I'm anxious. Well, let Jesus come and rule the day in your life. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. I want salvation. I want the helmet of salvation. I want truth. I want your spirit. I want to live the fullness of your will. So I trust you today, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And I pray, have your way in me, but also through me. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.